Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Um, and happy Memorial Day weekend. And hopefully most of you have tomorrow off. And, and uh, for when I was a kid, you know, Memorial Day scheduled the beginning of summer. School was out. Labor Day kicked it back in all of a sudden. So those two holidays kind of bookend. And, and so Memorial Day meant more about just getting out of school than, than anything else. I, I remember, though, as a kid, my Uncle Frank, Get, uh, getting killed in Vietnam and, and uh, just all of a sudden just the reality of something bigger than I was thinking in my mind about this um, somebody giving their life for the for their country but uh, a few years ago Pam and I were returning I think we were returning from San Diego or Colorado or somewhere and the last the last part of the journey in flying we were we thought we were going to be late for our flight we're hustling through uh, uh, DFW to get to our terminal, and we come up on the terminal, and everybody's standing. We're thinking, oh, man, the flight's delayed or something went wrong or, or something like that. You know how you are. And so uh, we come up there, but to realize everybody's looking out the window in reverence as they're putting a, a flag-draped casket into the plane. And uh, when we got in, we weren't exactly sure where our seats were until we got in, and then we get in, and uh, sure enough, it was on the side of, of the plane. So when you landed here in Austin, it meant that uh, nobody gets off the plane until the body is off the plane first. Now, this young man had lived in San Marcos area, and so um, uh, his parents, this was going to be their first reflection to see uh, the casket, to, to the reality. You know how it is with... With grief, sometimes there's that grief that comes saying, I don't think this really happened. And then all of a sudden you're hit with reality. So we're sitting on that side of the plane and uh, waiting for this to take place. So we're seeing the whole thing transpire. We see the family out there uh, um, and waiting. And sure enough, here comes the body down the conveyor to towards the family. And just to see them, the reality of that moment sink in, man, that is something we will never forget and uh, just the reality of somebody giving their life for a cause for their nation is just an incredible, incredible thing. And I am very grateful because what I do, I have the freedom to do. I can do it regardless. I can get up and share the gospel regardless. But uh, it's something about being able to to get up and to uh, to do that for the freedoms is just an incredible thing. So I'm. I'm very blessed, and, and that made it become even more reality. I don't know what's a reality for many of you. You had family members that uh, who lost their lives in, in one of the campaigns that we have been involved in as a nation. But uh, but man, we we remember. It's more than just eating eating uh, eating out, right? Grilling hamburgers and that kind of thing. I hope you do that. I hope it's fun for you as far as that goes. I'm also reminded of the story of the little boy who was standing out in the church foyer, and he was looking at a plaque up on the wall. And he was just studying that plaque, and his dad was there, and and, uh, it, 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 and he finally said, Dad, what what is the plaque? And he said, well, son, he said, that's for those in the church that died in the service. And he said, did they die in the 8.30 or the 11 o'clock service? <laughs> and so we had nobody die in the 8.30 service, so maybe we'll get through the 11 o'clock just fine uh, for sure. But uh, glad that you are here today. Well, I want you to get, grab your Bibles. And uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, your devices, whatever you use. But let me, let me kind of share a, a thought with you as we open God's Word, just to kind of, uh, just kind of focus with me just for a few minutes. 
Yesterday I was mowing the yard, and uh, uh, as I mow, you know, your mind just drifts to a thousand different directions. If I'm mowing on a Saturday, I'm usually going over the message, you know, just kind of going over the message in my mind, the things that God has given me to study this week, so that to present it and this kind of thing. And as I was as I was mowing, all of a sudden my my mind went to my grandfather, J. A. McKee, John Aquila McKee, known as Papa to me. And uh, I, uh, I, for some reason, he was on my mind. And this is what was on my mind. Because I'm, I'm mowing the grass and, you know, everything. You can watch the grass grow right now. It's just growing so fast. And then, and then I thought, you know, Papa never grew anything. He was a cotton farmer, yes. And he was one of those leather-skinned guys. He took his hat off. You know, his skin was brown from the sun. But he had that little halo from where his hat was on him all the time. leather skin. And I got to thinking, you know, Papa didn't grow anything. He tilled the soil, cut up the soil, plowed up the soil. He planted the seeds. He prayed for rain. But he didn't grow anything. Yes, cotton grew. Yes, other vegetables grew, or, or vegetables grew. But, but Papa didn't grow them. All he did was cultivated the soil and put it in a position to grow. And then I thought, you know, that's what we're doing. Every time we gather, it is my prayer that as we open God's Word, that there's a cultivating that is going on in your heart. There's no way I can grow it. But I'm telling you, we want to prepare it. We pray for the reign of God to come. We pray that there's growth and change and transition that happens in every one of your lives before you leave here. Mine included. And so as we open God's Word, it's so much more than a Bible study. It's so much more than getting facts into our heads. I, I don't care about that. Yes, I want you to know Bible facts, but let me tell you, I'm going for heart change. I'm going for, to, for us to be in the center of what God has for us. So Acts chapter 1, I want you to stand with me as we read God's Word. We're going to read it, and then we're going to pray. Acts chapter 1, first 11 verses. It's going to be on the screen as well. And so let me read it. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go in to heaven. Let me verbalize this prayer over us. 
Father, we open up your word. It is not just ink and paper. Lord, it is the word of God. Lord, we do not want to just trivialize it, Lord. We want you to speak to our hearts, God. You are the creator. You know the motives of our heart. Lord, you know the intentions. You know everything that is going on in our life. Nothing is hidden from you right now. And you love us immensely, God, more than we can ever imagine. Unconditionally, Lord, you love us. And so, Father, today we want to grow close to you. Cultivate the soil of our heart, God. Water the seed so that we may bear fruit. Because, Lord, you said in John 15, this pleases the Father that we bear much fruit. So, Lord, whatever that looks like, whatever you want to do, God, we just want you to do it today. Speak to us now, Lord, as we unpack your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's see what God has for us today as we look at this. If you're new around here, we're, we're in a series called Mountaintops. We've been looking at the different mountain experiences, and we're going back to the Mount of Olives. You may remember we were at the Mount of Olives about a month ago. Um, Jesus Love the Mount of Olives. It was a place that he prayed. It was a place that he came off of with the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It was the place where the Garden of Gethsemane is, where he was arrested. And uh, it was a, a beautiful place. And, and uh, I showed you pictures. You may remember back when we were there. Mount of Olives is a great place. It's, it's close to Bethany, across the Kidron Valley. And uh, here we are at the end of Jesus' earthly pilgrimage, so to speak. You may remember he had lived out 33 years. He was crucified and he was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And now we're at the end of that time. Forty days he's been on earth after he rose from the dead. He's appeared different times to the disciples. And here he is in the last time before he's going to be escorted uh, up to heaven. He is going to go in the clouds just like we read. And so we, we want to kind of look at this a little bit. This is, this is the end. He's, he's being, um, I'm, I'm going to call this today the Mount of Transition. We talked about the Mount of Transformation last week. This is the Mount of Transition because not only was Jesus transitioning back to heaven, but there was a transitioning that took place in the, in the life of the disciples as well. You know, when we get to talking about heaven, Heaven is a is a very interesting thing. In fact, in 2020, the whole Austin metro area, we're entering into a time where we're going to be talking about imagine heaven together. It's going to be a great thing. But when it comes to talking heaven, it's kind of a, a an unusual thing in how we approach it. Uh, there was a there was a pastor that got up and he said, um, do you want to go to heaven? And uh, everybody, yeah, we want to go to heaven, except for one guy, and he didn't, he didn't get too excited about it. And he said, do you want to go to heaven? And everybody, except for one guy, and, uh, and he finally, he stopped and he says, he says, you don't want to go to heaven when you die? He said, oh, when you die. He said, I thought you were getting a group together today. <laughs> All of us want to go to heaven. We're not sure we want to transition out this moment, and, and I understand part of that. We're finite. We, we understand that God loves us, and this is our eternal destiny. But, but when we come to talking about it, and here Jesus is going to be transitioned up uh, right in the, in the presence of these disciples, he's going to go. But today I want to, I want to, I want to look at the Scripture, and I want us to talk about the message because there's a specific message that we have as followers of Jesus. And I want to talk about the might, the strength that uh, we, we have to do this. 
And then thirdly, we're going to look at the mission. And then fourthly, we're going to look at the motive, the, the really what motivates us in this area. So let's, let's look at the scripture. Keep your Bibles available and let's, let's look at this. Here's the message and it's in the first three verses of this chapter. It's this really simply. Jesus lived. Jesus died. And Jesus is alive again. I mean, it, it seems so simplistic, but this is what Luke is trying to get across to right in the beginning of Acts, the first three verses. It's that Jesus lived and he died. He was a historical person and he was killed, but he rose from the dead and he is alive. And that's why uh, uh, this whole book is written in the Acts. And so it says in verse in verse one there, it says what Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, here's why that's important. Jesus was not just a historical figure who was a good example, who taught certain good principles. He not only taught righteousness and truth, he lived righteousness and truth. There was no division between what Jesus taught and what he did. That's important because there's been many teachers who try to teach a certain way, but their lives do not reflect that. And sadly today, there's many Christians who claim the truths of Jesus, but their lives are not reflecting that. And there's times I want to say, please forgive us for that. But, but here is Jesus. Not only did he speak it, but he did it. It was his life. And that's the struggle that many of us have. Our lives should be lives that reflect truth and righteousness. We should live pure and holy lives that reflect the message that we are trying to get across. The message being that Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again, and he is alive today. But this lack of effectiveness seems to follow many churches and many Christians today. And it's like this. Many either don't know the truth or they don't live the truth. It's like our lack of displaying the love of Christ says that we either don't believe it or we don't have it. That's what Francis Schaeffer said. We either don't have it or we don't believe it by the way we live. Because if this is the message, why would we not want to get this message out to people? It's like uh, I read a, read a statement that there was a business, there was a house and uh, it was a business as well. And it says, we can fix anything, but please knock on the door. The bell is not working. And I think that's the way we are often as the church. We are saying we have the answer to life. But yet within the church itself, there's all kinds of struggle. Do we have what we say we have? Do we are we living? Do we have the right to speak what we know we need to speak? And oftentimes it's like the guy who went to work for the logging company. He said, I can. He said, I want to go to work for you. I, I've got my axe, and I want to go to work with you. So they said, okay, we'll hire you. The first day, he set a record for, for knocking down, cutting down the most trees. And the next day, he had a good day as well. But then every day, he seemed to get a little slower, and the guy behind, so finally they called him in, and they were going to have to fire him. And they just said, I, I don't know what's happened. Uh, you were doing so great at, at first. I don't know if you weren't sharpening your axe. I don't know if you were doing... And he said, oh, I'm supposed to sharpen my axe. And many times we are out there busy for God, busy for God, busy for God. 
but we're not taking time to slow down and sharpen our acts of relationship with Him, which is which gives us what we have to speak to the world. So here's the message. And it's the same message today. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. And that's the message for our world. They need to know that. And that's the message. But second of all, the writer goes on to talk about the might. He says in verse 4 there, which we read, he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. And that promise was the Holy Spirit. You wait. Now, waiting is not any, anybody's vocabulary in this room. It's not waiting. We don't like to wait. We don't, fast food, we don't want to wait for fast food. We, there's a reason it's fast food. I was getting uh, my oil changed. Last time I was getting oil changed over here on 620, I go over here, and there were four people in the waiting area sitting there. Now, I try, when I go and eat with somebody or I go to something like that, I leave my phone in the, in the car or whatever. But I go in there, and these four people, there was no conversation at all. They were just absorbed in their phones Separately, and I thought of that, and I don't have a problem, you know, with playing games on the phone. It's it's my most expensive deck of cards that I have, and and uh, but I was I was just watching this moment, and and they were not waiting well. They were not waiting well. We don't wait, and Jesus is saying, "Listen, I want you to go." I think he, what he was saying is, "I want you to go and do something that's almost counterintuitive to you because you think activity means success." I'm telling you, the waiting is what is going to bring you victory. And that's counterintuitive to us. But that's what he's saying. Now, it's like this, though, okay? It's like this kind of waiting is that Jesus is promising us this gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's coming. If you order something through Amazon, even though it may get there within the, by the time you hang up, you still, that's too long. You are anticipating greatly what's about to come. And it's that way that this waiting is, that I'm waiting, I'm anticipating this great thing that Jesus said is greater than him being with us. It's him being with us full time. And that's that anticipation. He says to go and to wait. In other words, if you're going to fulfill this message to get it out to the awaiting world, you're not going to be able to do it with your knowledge. You're not going to be able to do it with your experience. You're not going to be able to do it with your skills. You're not going to be able to do it with your talents. It's going to come because of an anointing that has to come. An anointing. This is what God is wanting to pour out. In Ezekiel, the prophet in the Old Testament, he said this in Ezekiel 36, 25. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. An anointing is coming. This is what scares me. I'm afraid that we've gotten so used to skills and talents and charisma and information that we don't even know what an anointing is anymore. I believe it's the Spirit of God that brings life change. But we've introduced so much in the area of skill and knowledge and education that we don't know the difference. 
And we've settled for so much less than what God ever intended. And I tell you what, this is just being transparent. One of the reasons I do not rest well on Saturday night before I'm going to get up and speak to you is because I I study all week. I study all week. I study hours all week to try to, to see what God may want me to present. But you know, there's a difference between presenting a bunch of knowledge and facts and study and then being anointed by God. There's a difference. And so I wrestle all night long because, God, I do not want to get up and waste these people's time with a bunch of study if your spirit is not being lifted up and it's not anointed. I don't want that. And so it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of my time. And it's an embarrassment upon God if I'm not saying, God, empty me to fill me with you so that I can display what you want. And that's the anointing. I I love the story in the scriptures, and you remember this, about when Jesus went to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he's eaten a meal there, and Mary comes in. She breaks open a, a jar of spikenard or perfume. It was probably for her dowry when she got married, but she breaks it open and she pours it upon Jesus. It's an anointing to prepare him for burial is what the scripture says. But it was a beautiful fragrance. And a, and one of the disciples even said, why this waste? And it, it, it wasn't waste. But she, here's the deal about what she did. She had to break it to anoint. I believe that this is where we as Christ followers just don't like to read the scriptures. Because for us to walk under this anointing of the Holy Spirit, it means that there must be a crushing and a brokenness in our lives. Because we are so dependent on this flesh and so dependent on our skills and so dependent on our talents that we're not allowing the Spirit of God to flow through us. And thus, we as a church, especially in America, we've got so used to building church on talent and skill and knowledge and motivation and inspiration and charisma, but no anointing. And I think we're getting the results of that. That's just being honest. I, I, I love the story that I read of a pastor who went to speak in a, in a certain uh, community. And he was staying at the house of these people. And he got there a little early before he was going to speak that night. And they said, why don't you just walk the grounds? And so he went walking the grounds. And that night he showed up at the church. And somebody went up to him and says, ah, oh, you've been in the Rose Gardens, haven't you? He said, well, yeah, I have. How did you know? He said, man, you, you smell. You have the aroma of the Rose Gardens. And I thought, I wonder if sometimes we do not put off the aroma of Christ, but we just put off the aroma of the world. And what the scriptures are saying here, Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, you can't do this with inspiration. You can't do it with education. You can't do it with your knowledge or your skills or your talents. You need to go and wait. And what you're waiting for is you're waiting for my very spirit to come. And then all the difference in the world will happen. The might that comes. The next one is the mission. If you're with me so far, we talked about the message, we talked about the might, now let's talk about the mission. In verse 8, we see that he lays this out. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, what does that really mean, that, that mission that is there? Well, it means that we will be witnesses. We will be witnesses. What's a witness? Well, we, we love to watch the uh, attorney shows on TV 
and this kind of stuff. And a witness is called up there to speak of what he has experienced, he has seen, he has heard, or he has touched or felt. And you are to give a witness of that. And an eyewitness comes up there and he gives this, as the attorney asked him, he gives a witness. We are called to be witnesses for Christ. In fact, you see in 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 3, John said this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, what we have seen, what we have touched with our hands, what we have heard, we proclaim to you. We are witnesses that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again. Peter did the same thing in First Peter and Second Peter one sixteen. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. Eyewitnesses. We are witnesses. You and I are called to be witnesses. Now, what does that really mean? Because I say witness and you start, the hair on your back just starts bristling. You're thinking, Mark, man, I, don't, I just am not a witness. Yes, you are a witness. You're a witness, either good witness or a bad witness. You're, we're all witnesses if we're children of God. Okay? His Holy Spirit is going to make us witnesses. I, lo- I love this. The word witness in the Greek here that Luke presents is, is in his writing is the same word for which we get the word martyr. Okay? The word martyr came out of the word witness. It wasn't the other way around. In other words, so many Christians were willing to lay down their life for the sake of Jesus Christ that they came up with the word martyr. We are called to be martyrs. Jesus even said, willing to lay your, lay your life down. And you're saying, whoa. Man, that's, that's kind of a tough thing. I didn't say it. It's in the Scripture. Jesus said it. You are willing to be witnesses. And it's, but listen, he's saying this. You can't do it on your own. That's why we have the might. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's so that you're fragrant aroma. That you're putting this off. You will be witnesses. And then he says this. You will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It's like a ripple effect. You throw the pond in the water... It puts off concentric circles. That which is closest, they were in Jerusalem. You will be witnesses right where you're at. Then you will be witnesses in, spread it out, Judea, your families, Samaria, your community, the ends of the earth. Wherever you go, you will be witnesses. Wherever you go, you will be salt and light. Wherever you go, you will be living water to a people that desperately need Christ. And it's proven it out through history. Just think about it just a minute. From there in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit comes. It begins to go out. It eventually gets to Europe. It eventually comes across the Atlantic to the United States. It eventually uh, starts to make its way across the United States and it gets to Texas. Eventually it gets to Round Rock, Texas. The gospel got spread from this place to where we are today. And we are still proclaiming that message. 
We are called to be his witnesses and to the ends of the earth. Let me wrap up with the motive right quick. There's a brief discussion that happens over over uh, Jesus. Is this basically when you're going to set up your earthly kingdom? And there was a prophecy in Zechariah 14.4 that it says, On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. In other words, there's a, there's a prophetic word here that when Jesus returns, he's going to set up his earthly kingdom beginning on the Mount of Olives. And they're thinking, well, is this it? And Jesus said, listen, we're not into earthly kingdoms. I'm telling you about the kingdom of God that is so much bigger. So much bigger. But yet, what happens next is incredible. He begins to raise up into a cloud. They're looking for probably, how is he doing that? There's no lines. There's no wires. He is just going straight up, and they're just gazing as he goes up there. And what the Lord does is he uh, sends two messengers, two angels, and what they do is as they're gazing up into Jesus being lifted up into these clouds, and they're thinking, this is, this is unbelievable. All of a sudden, these two messengers appear. Somehow, they stoke the guys, they punch them, and they say, guys, why are you doing this? He just told you. What you need to be doing. He just told you, you need to, you got a mission to go out and do, and just the way you see him leaving, one day he's going to return. I want you to know, church, one day he's going to return. I don't know when it's going to be. Sometimes people will say, Mark, do you really believe Christ could return in your lifetime? Don't you think this needs to align, this needs to align? Well, every time I read the New Testament, they were expecting him at any moment. So if they expected him at any moment, why should I not expect him at any moment? This was their motive. This was what motivated them. This was what really challenged them, is that Christ will return. We don't know when, but we have a mission to do, and we do that with anticipation of his return, because all men will one day stand before Jesus Christ. We believe that. Christ will return. We don't know when. Until he returns, we will work on the mission with anticipation of his return because all men will one day stand before him. You will. Your spouse will. Your kids will. Your classmates will. Your workmates will. Your neighbors will. Sometimes it's easier to be a light at the end of the world than it is to be at home, right? But we're called to do that. I'm wrapping up. You know, the athlete in me always loves the pregame speeches kind of thing. If you go on YouTube, man, and find, uh, you can Google uh, pregame speeches and that kind of stuff, and you can get some great ones. Some of them are out of movies and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I got to thinking about this. If you heard an incredible rousing, listen, I played on some terrible football teams. Uh, it didn't matter what kind of pregame speech you got you were still going to lose. But, man, that sounded good. That sounded good. But what if after you get this rousing speech, you just sit around and start talking about the speech? Man, that was a good speech. Man, they, he even used a poem in there. 
I'm going to quote, I'm going to tweet out what he just said in this pregame speech. But you don't go out and play the game. That would be ridiculous. Jesus has just given the ultimate pregame speech. What are you going to do with it? And that's what the angels are there for. Why are you gazing up into the sky? He said, go and wait. Go and and wait. And it's going to happen. So what? Our lives should reflect what we believe. They should reflect what we believe. Uh, Listen, is there perfection in this room? No. Beginning with me, and you knew that. What? Let me put it this way. When somebody messes up or sin, falls into sin, it concerns me. But if they repent and there's this conviction in their heart, I can live with that. It's the person who falls into sin who has no conviction of repentance to return. Now, that concerns me. And if, if that happens to my heart, if I sin, which I do on a daily basis, if there's not a conviction to bring me back, oh, woe is me. I'd hate to be that callous. But we are called to live out what we truly believe. Here's another thought. Jesus is alive today, and he's desiring to empower and enable you for his mission. And his strength is perfected in your weakness. And anointing comes from waiting and yielding and brokenness. And the last thought is this. We want to live out our lives in anticipation for that day. The day when we exit out of here ourselves. I want to ask the worship team to come on up. And uh, I want to just kind of in with this as they're making their way up. You know, um, most of you in this room, obviously all of you that were alive, and I think about graduating class of 2018 uh, or 2019 here, weren't even alive at the millennium. How about that? But you that were alive remember Y2K, right? And, uh, oh my gosh, um, I was reading an article even this week about people. It was an article on a family that bunkered down in Oklahoma. They're still bunkered. No. Uh, they, they bunkered down and they, uh, they got all their stuff. And, you know, I realize there's wisdom and nobody knew what was going to happen. But it was amazing the extremes that certain people went to with the possible human calamity that might take place at Y2K. The question is, one day, and we don't know when, Jesus Christ is going to return. Mark, can you really believe that? He lived. He died. He rose from the dead. Yes, I can believe that. He is going to return. And the question I think we need to ask ourselves is that, am I prepared for that day? And do I want my family prepared for that day? Do I want my workmates, my classmates, my neighbors, the ends of the earth to be ready for that day?
Do you know him today? Are you personally ready for that day? Mark, you're just trying to scare us into into a decision. I'm just trying to present you a warning. The good news is he lived, he died, he rose again. And he has given his very presence and power of his Holy Spirit. Just ask him. I want you to bow your heads with me. Thank you.